This is Carrie Gephardt, and you're listening to Five for Fruit, your five-minute fix for Reformed theology and practice. What we do here is go back, 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 back. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your hands, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. Welcome back to another episode of Five for Fruit. The story of Job is a very powerful story of suffering in the life of a believer. It points forward to Christ who would suffer on our behalf, but it also speaks vividly of the sovereignty of God over all the details in our life, including those things which we would consider tragedies. And in the very first chapter of Job, we have this interesting interaction between God and Satan, where Satan is then given permission by God to torment Job so that Job's keeping the faith, Job's staying strong in the face of this suffering would then give glory to God. But that brings up another question, doesn't doesn't it? It brings up the question of the problem of evil. Many unbelievers believe that it's wrong for us to say that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-good, but then also for there to be evil in this world. And this is a philosophical issue called the problem of evil, and we have to be ready to have an answer for this. Uh, One of the greatest answers described in writing, I believe, is found in Dr. Greg Bonson's book, Always Ready, Directions for Defending the Faith. He comes from a presuppositional apologetic position, and he states this, no unbeliever can say that evil is a problem if they have no grounds for describing anything as evil. So that's his first point. If you cannot believe evil is really evil because you have no moral absolutes, then you can't really say evil is a problem because you have no basis for proclaiming anything to be evil. Whereas the Christian can say, I believe this is good and I believe this is evil because what is evil is contrary to God's laws, contrary to God's character. What is good, it corresponds to God's character. Uh, But then he says this later on in the book that maybe somebody who is an unbeliever could say, fine, I don't have any moral basis or foundational basis or absolute basis for saying anything is evil, but still Christian on your own terms, you're locked into a logically incoherent position by maintaining three propositions. Number one, God is all good. Number two, God is all powerful. Number three, evil exists. But listen to what he states here. However, the critic here overlooks overlooks a perfectly reasonable way to assent to all three of these propositions. If the Christian presupposes that God is perfectly and completely good, as scripture requires us to do, then he is committed to evaluating everything within his experience in the light of that presupposition. Accordingly, when the Christian observes evil events or things in the world, he can and should retain consistency with his presupposition about God's goodness by now inferring that God has a morally good 
good reason for the evil that exists. God certainly must be all-powerful in order to be God. He is not to be thought of as overwhelmed or stymied by evil in the universe. And God is surely good, the Christian will profess, so any evil we find must be compatible with God's goodness. This is just to say that God has planned evil events for reasons which are morally commendable and good. To put it another way, the apparent paradox created by the above three propositions is readily resolved by adding this fourth premise to them. Number four, God has a morally sufficient reason for the evil which exists. Until next time, may you bear much fruit to the glory of God. Five for Fruit is a proud member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Check out more members of the society at reformedpodcasts.com. Subscribe, rate, and review Five for Fruit on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And visit the website fiveforfruit.com to listen to past episodes and to read articles. Until next time, this is Five for Fruit, your five-minute fix for Reformed theology and practice.